Welcome to our 10.30 service here at One Heart. Uh, if you're new to our, a church like this or to One Heart, we're so glad that you come and join with us, with us this morning. You may have seen some unfamiliar things. People getting passionate, raising their hands. They're just different ways that we express our gratitude and our love towards God. And at the end of the service, we've got a free coffee or chocolate or chai, whatever uh, drink you prefer over in that corner. So we'd love to get catch up with you after the service. Also, um, if we've got any friends or family here from Tumby Bay, great to have you here. In, uh, to our family members, our one heart is at home. If you're watching online because you've got a sick child or you're not well yourself, we can't wait to see you sometime here shortly. And so in Jesus' name, be healed. Amen. Uh, then I've also got a special friend here, Michael. Now, this is really weird for me. Every time, so he's from a church in Adelaide, and every time I go to enjoy church, Michael is behind a desk of some description. So this is unfamiliar territory, seeing him in, in the congregation. But I want to thank you, uh, Michael, for your, your, your faithfulness in serving. And I think you're a great man, and God's got better things in store for your life. But it's great to have my friend Michael here. Uh, good job. So our senior pastors, Rob and Pauline Santos-Stefano, uh, they're... Uh, Pastor Rob, so just some context, the One Heart Church is a part of a movement called the Australian Christian Churches, or the ACC, formerly the AOG, Assemblies of God. But as a part of the, the movement, our senior pastor, he is the vice president, and so with that comes some responsibilities and duties he gets to do. So a church north of Adelaide in Goolwa, Encounter Church, they're having a new pastor uh, implemented today. And so Pastor Rob is inducting him in that service. So that's pretty exciting that we can release him to be able to, around the state, to be able to do things like that. So that's where uh, our pastors are this morning. And then as uh, Pastor Kimberly mentioned before there, I get the privilege of running the youth ministry. And so youth starts back tonight, here, 5 to 7 p.m. So if you're in year 7 to year 12, come along, have some fun, and we can't wait to see what God does in our lives in 2023. All right, so when I was a child, I spoke, thought, reasoned, and watched TV as a child. And so, being a child, I often watched a show, tuned into a program, you could almost call it a documentary series, on ABC Kids called Bob the Builder. Um, Bob the Builder. Bob the Builder. Yeah, oh, look at that. I'm not the only one that watched this awesome documentary. Now, I was doing some research yesterday, and I realized that this Bob the Builder has an imposter that's not him. Does anyone remember growing up with this Bob the Builder or another Bob the Builder? This one. I grew up with this one, but there's another Bob the Builder. I'm like, what's this guy doing? That's not the Bob the Builder that I've learned to love and trust. But it's so interesting. So when I was a child, when I grew up, I put away childish things. I turned the TV off. Stop watching Bob the Builder. ABC Kids, you have been good to me, but it's time for the new level. And so I grew up and I picked up my Bible. I read this book and I read a book in the book called Nehemiah. So Nehemiah the Rebuilder. And it's interesting, I, I would encourage you, read the book of Nehemiah. It's a fascinating scripture. Go on YouTube, go Bible Project, Nehemiah. Watch the video of it. But it's a great piece of history of Jewish of the Jewish nation and how and how things went for them, and so Jerusalem is uh, uh, attacked by Babylon. Uh, the, the whole Jewish nation 
is then exiled to Babylon. And then as history goes on, Babylon does the wrong thing and then the Persians come and conquer them. And so then the Jews are in a foreign nation under a second ruling country and it's just crazy and then Jerusalem is just left in ruins. So then uh, uh, we might be familiar with the story of Esther. Esther rises up in prominence in the Persian kingdom and through her influence we see Jews are allowed to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild what, is, what had been decimated. And so then the first uh, pilgrimage, I guess, back to Jerusalem was through a man called Zerubbabel. It's a great name. So Zerubbabel brings a crew with him back to Jerusalem, a small remnant, and they start to rebuild the temple so that they're able to start doing their religious experiences of uh, temple worship, sacrifices, and all those sorts of activities. But then they start to rebuild the walls, and then a report goes to the king and says, hey, king, we cannot let this city be rebuilt rebuilt because it's a troublesome city and if it gets rebuilt it's going to be no favor to you so the king shuts down so then we sadly see that the the rebuilding of the walls get reconstructed and they, it's back to nothing and so then that's the history that we need to then jump into nehemiah chapter one to see what uh, uh where we find ourselves and so nehemiah the rebuilder can he fix it with god he can So Nehemiah chapter 1, and we're going to be reading from verse 2. Hananiah, one of my brothers, so this is Nehemiah speaking. Hananiah, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. So they were in Jerusalem. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see Uh, me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying uh, the commands, decrees and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what uh, you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who uh, delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me, put it in his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was a king's cup bearer. I just want to look at verse 11 again. Oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Please grant me success today. Pray today. Pray today. I want us to understand that. I want that to get inside your spirit, inside your thinking, inside your heart. Pray today. 
So why don't you just close your eyes or position yourself in a moment right now where we can just connect to God one more time. Holy Spirit, right now, we say, have your way. We've been singing about uh, what's found in fire. Gold can be molded. And God, we want our lives to be molded by your, to be in what pleases you. So God, remove what doesn't need to be there. Offend us in the right way that we can grow, that we can live in maturity. We don't just want to have, we don't want to be an unbelieving believer, but God, we want to be believers of faith and expectation that believe that something is better in store for us, that 2023 will be a year of maturity and growth. In Jesus' name, we all said of faith, amen. Amen. So I love the fact that Nehemiah had a brother, a, a mate, a pal, called Hananiah. And I believe we all need a brother. We all need a Hananiah in our lives. We need someone that can come and bring us a message, a report. And so Hananiah has an experience, has a story, comes with a report from Jerusalem. But then Hananiah doesn't understand what he's uh, he's unleashed, doesn't realize what he's unlocked, doesn't know what he's about to release into his mate. Nehemiah's life through the message that he brings. Let's go, let's just go down that little rabbit hole. We don't understand the things that we can talk about, what the impact that has on someone's life. I'm believing that some of the faith conversations that you have can stir someone's call of God on their life. You don't realize your presence in some situation. You could be the very brother, the very friend that's able to see the call of God unleashed on your, the person that you speak to. And we've got to understand that. Nehemiah had a Hananiah. And my prayer for One Heart Church, my prayer for your life, is that there would be Hananiahs in your life that bring you a report, that bring you a message, that speak to you, that see something stir up on the inside. And so uh, I'm believing that there'll be an experience that changes the status quo for your life, where you've just lived life as a cupbearer, when you've just lived your life doing your job, but something comes in and shifts your, your paradigm in that environment a moment that awakens passion, a report that stirs a purpose in your life. And so, Nehemiah hears this sad story. He hears this report of Jerusalem. He hears this thing that makes him feel sorry. And a reasonable uh, response, if we look at logically, in, if we'll put ourselves in Nehemiah's shoes, would be, God, why did you do this? God, why don't you do something? That's the reasonable response. But I love that Nehemiah had the right response and he let his heart break. He let a burden get on him. He was disrupted in a holy way. One Heart Church, we need a holy disruption in our lives. We need a holy burden, a heart breaking. We need to have the compassion to go, no longer am I just living life doing what I was always doing, but something has got a hold of me, got in me, that there's purpose, there's zeal, there's a desire to do something with what God's given me. And so Nehemiah is moved, and he, he doesn't blame shift. He doesn't go, oh, God, you do it. God, this is, a, um, this is not right. He, he doesn't abdicate the uh, responsibility. He takes responsibility. He takes ownership. He goes, God, you've placed me here for the reason. You've placed me in this season. I've, my heart's broken. God, use me to see a miracle take place here. And so what do you do when your heart breaks? That's a great question we've got to ask ourselves. What do we do when our heart breaks? What do we do when we get the desire on heaven in, on the inside of us? What's our next step? When we have this moment of going, wow, this, this is affecting me. Wow, God's drawing me here. What is our next step? 
Well, Nehemiah, so when we are stirred, disrupted, burdened, we've got to call it what it is. That paradigm shift in your life is called the call of God. So that's the first step. We've got to realize that. This burden right now isn't something for me to live frustrated. I'm just annoyed. I'm just, no, we're not to be like that. We've got to call it what it is and go, God, if this is what you're calling me to change, well, I want to, I want to be the solution. I don't want to be someone parroting the, the issues and telling everyone else what's going on. I want to be the person that sees this rectified. I'm going to be the person that when the Hananiah comes, I don't just go, yep, I agree with you. That is terrible. God, I'm being called to be the solution to that report in Jesus' name. I don't want us to be a church where we hear the reports of brokenness. I don't want us to be the church that hears the reports of dysfunction. And you go, oh, well, what's the government going to do? What's No, let's be the church that rise up and go, God, what have you called me to do? to fix that, to be the solution, to see the miracle in that circumstance. And uh, I want to I wanna just address this as well. Uh, it's not an either, it's not an and or, it's a both and. <laughs> I think I said that right. But what I'm trying to get at with that is that Nehemiah worked in a secular job, worked for the king as a cupbearer. Great job, great responsibility. And I love the fact, though, that he didn't just say, well, this is my job, that's it. He said, though I work in this secular position, I still got the call of God in my life. And we can't afford to get ourselves in a Christian box, a Christian bubble that goes, well, ministry is for pastors. Ministry is for preaching on a Sunday. Ministry is for a songwriter. Now, that is ministry. Or ministry is for a kid's church leader, whatever capacity we want to limit it to. No, ministry is for everywhere. If you... There's a call of God for everywhere. And I love the fact that we see Dr. Jansen on the drums, where he goes, I'm a doctor on a Monday, and I'm a drummer for God on a Sunday. Why? Because he's realized ministry isn't just this one thing over here. It's both and. And we want to be a church that's got the call of God in our lives. That's a both and call. It's not one or, the, or either or. Ministry is where you find yourself and say, God, I want the call. I want you to move in my life. And that's what Nehemiah teaches us. It's a both and. We, got, we can have a secular job, but still have the call of God, and we can do them both equally. And the call of God, like for Nehemiah, it can be for a region. You might have the call of God for the city of Port Lincoln. You go, God has called me here. That's my testimony. God's called me to this city. He, he's put a burden on my heart for the young people of this city. That's my call. Some people here might have the call of God for Tumby Bay. God's stirring something in your life to say, you know what? We're going to believe for a healthy, flourishing God, kingdom-shaking church in that town. Some people might have the call of God for the Air Peninsula. It could be state. It could be some people got the call of God for the SA. God can have the call in many different ways. It could be for a street, a workplace, a, a, a work member, a school. There's so many different ways the call of God can work. But we got to so when we got to get when we get that call, what do we do with it? And what does Nehemiah teach us? You go into a season of fasting. You go into a season of seeking clarity from God. So when we get the burden, when we get the heartbreak, when we get that, that thing in the, inside of us that says, I'm the solution, I'm the reason that this can change, we should go into a time of prayer and fasting. So, uh, and what's fasting? It's basically seeking clarity from God. And so, uh, if we don't eat food, that's called starving. Yep. But when we add our faith to our not eating food, that is called fasting. 
Because we're, we're moving from uh, a thing of just going, well, it seems like a good idea, but no, God, we desire you to speak to me more than the food I eat. And it's a, it's a moment of faith going, we're going to abstain from food to draw closer to God to see a miracle take place with this burden that I've now been gifted with. And so we want to be a church that we, as a mature believer, that we know what it is to go, we've been given the burden, we're going to now fast and believe that God's going to move in my life, give me wisdom, give me discernment to see breakthroughs take place. So if you want to supercharge your prayer life, if it's good enough for Nehemiah, it's good enough for me. If it's good enough for Nehemiah, it's good enough for you for the, to activate the call of God on your life. Maybe consider a time of fasting. Well, I'm going to change my words. Not maybe. Consider, do it, book on the calendar, this day, these days, this week, I'm going to go into a season of fasting because the call of God on my life is worth that, that connection with God. So if you want to supercharge your, fa- your prayer life, hit up fasting. So Nehemiah was called and fasted. And what's interesting, not just that, but Nehemiah knew the word of God. Nehemiah knew what this book said. He knew what Moses spoke. So we're going to see a slide come up on the screen here. And so what I've done is, you can see in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 7, 8, and 9, that was his prayer. Then on the right of that prayer, you can see the direct quotes that he's quoted from, the, from Moses. So Moses has said in Deuteronomy 28, 14. Moses has said in Leviticus 26, 33. And Moses has also said in Deuteronomy 33 to 4. He, Moses declares these things, the character of God. And Nehemiah understood what God says and says, I'm praying that in my life. I'm declaring those, those promises in my life. And I love it. And we've got we to gotta do what Nehemiah does and add scripture to our prayer. We, why? Because Nehemiah understood God's word. He knew God's nature. He knew God's promises. He, and, and because he knew all this, Nehemiah goes, this condition of Jerusalem right now is not right. This is not God's plan. This is not God's best. So I'm going to bring God's promises into this situation. I'm going to bring God's agenda into this situation because he understood it. And do we understand, like Nehemiah, God's word for our burden, for our situation that we find ourselves in? We need to get into our Bibles. We need to know the character of God. We need to know the promises of Jesus. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. As New Testament, New Covenant believers, it's a little bit different, but we still have promises that we've got to hold on to and bring that into our reality in the same way Nehemiah does. And so One Heart Church, I don't know uh, the God you serve, but I serve the God of Zacchaeus. I love it. Luke 19, we see in the, in the Jewish community's eyes, Zacchaeus was an enemy. He was a, an enemy of, the, of God's people. He was a betrayer, a backstabber in a sense, at lowest scum low of you can get. And then Jesus sees this evil, wicked, scum man, short man up in a tree. And what does he do? He calls him. Because as it says in Luke 19, Jesus doesn't come, uh, Jesus, sorry, did come to seek and save the lost. And that's the God I serve. I serve the God that comes for the one, to seek and save the lost. When our world says, they're too far gone. When, when it, we might say in ourselves, God couldn't use me. Oh, I've got too many dysfunctions. You don't know the things I've committed. But God's, Jesus comes to seek and save the lost. That's the kind of God I serve. 
That's the God I serve. I serve the God of Jonah. I love it. I read the book of Jonah, and we see a man that runs in the opposite direction of the call of God, and God still uses him. I love that fact. We can be run. We might have had the burden. We might have had the, the, the healthy uh, disturbance, the holy disturbance, and we could be running from it. But if God could use Jonah, God can still use you. God can still use me. And I love it. It says, it was a city of 120,000. That's a little bit more than Port Lincoln. And that whole city repented and came to God. And I have faith that the same God that saw that city saved can still see cities saved today. That's the God I serve. I serve the God of Moses. I love the story of Moses. There's a nation of Israel in slavery in Egypt. And God uses a man called Moses, a murderer, a tongue-twisted man that can't talk properly, to see that nation freed. If God can use Moses to free a nation, God can use Christians in Australia to see this city free. And I don't know what slavery, I know there's few alcohol addiction, this addiction, that issue, that trouble. But if God used Moses, God can do a miracle in our generation. God can do a miracle and see Australia free. That's the God I serve. I serve the God of Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We're not, I'm not here to live a life that just goes, oh, well, I, I believe in God. I turn up to church. No, I serve the God says, I'm going to empower you to be the church. I'm going to fill you with my Holy Spirit to see things break through, to have, call that person, to have the, the word of knowledge, to have the insight, to have what people need in our world. That's the God I serve. I serve the God of Peter and John. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus. Rise up, be healed. I believe that if that happened for them, that can happen for me. I can be filled with some substance, some currency that isn't of this world that sees things break through. That rather than just going, here's your handout, let's have a, a revolutionize in your life that you no longer live from handout, you live free, you live healed, you live whole. I believe that's for all of us. doesn't matter whether we're 14 or 40, we can, that's the God I serve. I serve the God of Ephesians 3.20. I love reading all the different translations, exceedingly, super abundantly, above everything that we can imagine, think, ponder, our creativity. God is above that. That's the God I serve. And so I don't know what your experiences in life have been. I don't know. You might have had some great testimonies in your 20s, in your 30s. Well, remember when God did this. Remember when God did that. Thank God for those things. But I believe for more. I believe for greater because he can do that. Just because my imagination and my preset says this is a level. I believe God's above it because you know what? I can do this. Well, just because it's been done that way, let's try it this way. That's the God I serve. And I'm believing in faith that we're going to see miracles take place in One Heart Church when we do a Nehemiah and not just uh, read Scripture, but we know Scripture. We know then who God is. We know His character, His DNA. And say, so, well, we know who God is. We're going to bring that into our prayer life and add Scripture to our prayers. So if you want to supercharge your prayers, a good starting point, get into some fasting. Second, know God, know Scripture, and pray scripture. We want to supercharge our prayers and add scripture to them. Music team, you come and join me. In the book of Exodus, it's, a, it's an interesting um, tale of events. It's not just uh, 
It's not just fairy tales. I believe it's a real account of human history. And again, we see the Israelites find themselves in captivity, as I mentioned before, with Moses. And in the journey of Moses freeing that nation, God gives Moses the ability and empowers him to do crazy miracles and, and called plagues. So if we look, if I look at some of these right now, so we see there's the plague of blood, the plague of frogs, the plague of gnats, the plague of flies, the plague against the livestock, a plague of festering boils. That's a fun one. A, a, a plague of hail, a, a plague of locusts, a plague of darkness, uh, the death of the Egyptians firstborn, all these crazy plagues. And God empowers Moses to these miracles. And I love at the very start, though, when Moses first confronts Pharaoh and he chucks down his, uh, his well, I think it's Aaron technically, chucks down the stick and it becomes a snake. Now, that is just hectic. Then Pharaoh's demonic magicians chuck down their staffs and they become snakes. Now, I don't know. Now, so the supernatural is very real. we got to understand this. The supernatural is real. And God can do things and the devil is sneaky and has crazy powers as well. But what I love the fact is that the genuine power, the supreme authority, Moses' snake comes and gobbles up those little natural confectory lollies, picks up that stick again and becomes back a stick. And so we see right from the very start of the miracles, God's power is supreme over every counterfeit demonic power that there is. But then we get to Exodus chapter 8, which I want to put our focus on. And it's the plague of frogs. And what's really interesting is when we see all the plagues, how God takes the Israelites and the Egyptians both in a different way on a distinction. He makes a clear distinction between God's blessed and God's rejection. And so that we, as, as the plagues progress, we see a clear distinction between the Israelites are not affected and the Egyptians are. So the Egyptians are in complete darkness. And where the Israelites are, it's a bright, bright, sunshiny day, right? We, we see this, there's these shifts. It's like he makes a clear distinction. Well, if you're favored and blessed, that harm won't come to you. It's really, and so it's really interesting. And another, another interesting thing is, though, that there comes a point where uh, Moses does it, and then the, the demonic magicians do it. Moses does it, then the, the demonic Egyptians do it. Then there comes a point in the story where the, the demonic can no longer do these these miracles that Moses is able to do. But with the frogs, this is one where the the demonic magicians copy Moses. So in uh, Exodus 8, I'm going to read from verse 8. So, uh, no, actually, I'll go from verse uh, 5. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, raise a staff in your hand over all the rivers, canals, and ponds of Egypt, and bring up frogs all over the land. So Aaron raised his hand over the waters of Egypt and frogs came up and covered the whole land. The magicians were able to do the same thing with their magic and they too caused frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. Just ponder that right now. So Moses has said, Brother Aaron, lift up your staff and the whole ground is covered in frogs. Now that is hectic. And then, then Pharaoh goes, well, we can do that. Boom. And then doubles the problem. I, like, I, I struggle to understand the logic of that. But good job, Pharaoh. You're able to double the problem. 
great job. It's not quite getting the picture. But then the real sad thing of this story happens. And not only does he double his issue, this is what happens. So Pharaoh could produce it, but he couldn't reduce it. That's what happens. Exodus chapter 8, if you want to rewrite it. Pharaoh produced it, but couldn't reduce it. There you go. Now you don't have to read it anymore. But so Pharaoh's demonic magicians were able to produce the frogs, but they couldn't reduce the frogs. So then in verse 8, Pharaoh summons Moses and Aaron and begged, plead with the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people and let my people go and then, uh, and then let... And let the people go so they can offer sacrifices to the Lord. Verse 9. You set the time, Moses replied. Tell me when you want me to pray for you and your officials and your people. And then you and your houses will be rid of the frogs. They will remain only in the Nile River. Verse 10. Do it tomorrow, Pharaoh said. Do it tomorrow, Pharaoh said. Again, I got no words. What is Pharaoh, do it tomorrow, Pharaoh said. Let's take a leaf out of Nehemiah's book and have a prayer for today. Today, give me favor with the king. Today, I need the miracle. Don't do a Pharaoh when you're in need of a breakthrough. Pray tomorrow. No, don't delay. Pray today. We've got to get that revelation. Don't delay. Pray today today. One Heart Church, we are not called to be a Pharaoh church. We'll pray tomorrow. Don't make today's miracle tomorrow's issue. Do it today. And I absolutely love uh, the prayer of Nehemiah in verse 11. Um, And I love the way it's worded in the New Living Translation in particular. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. I love that. We're going to have start having prayers of Nehemiah in our life. That believe for favor. That believe that God can do something in our lives today. That this today is a moment where God can move. Today is a day where I'm called. This, this, this year, this season, this week is my season to thrive. It's my, my opportunity for God to use me. So church, let's be a church that have a today faith. That have a today expectation that have a today uh, reality where God can move, where we're not a Pharaoh saying, yeah, we'll, we'll believe for it tomorrow. We'll believe it for next year. No, we're called to bring it in today. So let's have that expectation and faith in a, in a mighty way. So if we want to supercharge your prayers, supercharge the call of God in your life, get into a, a moment of fasting. Make it a yearly routine. Make it a monthly routine. Make it a weekly routine. If you want to see God do something in your life, make fasting a priority. When your heart breaks, don't blame God. Don't say, God, what are you doing? It's your opportunity to say, God, here I am. Send me. Here I am. Speak to me. We've got to get into our Bibles. We've got to know what it says. Why? Because we want to know who God is. We want to know what His character is. We want to know what He promises us. If you promise the Holy Spirit, God, how much more do I want that gift in my life? And then pray those scriptures into your life. Today, God, Acts 1.8, we will receive power to be a witness. God, empower me to be on alert, to be a witness today, to be an evangelist today. We're going to bring those prayers into our life 
today. Don't delay, pray today. Why don't we stand to our feet? And I want to pray for us. I don't know what, what situation you find yourself in this morning, but you might be in the first point and go, I want the call of God. I have not yet had a burden. I have not yet had my heart break for something. Well, I'm believing that we can see something shift in your life, that a Hannah and I would come across your path, that would give your report, that see something shift, that you say, God's calling me. God's stirring me. I want to pray for that over your life. You may have the call of God, and you might be doing a Jonah right now going, any, up, catch it. But I'm going to believe in faith that we can see a miracle take place there. Despite your rejection, God can, doesn't stop God's power in that circumstance. And I want to pray in faith for that. And I finally want to pray. And I want you, sorry, us to pray, you to pray. There's going to be scriptures come to your, to your head right now, into your heart right now, that you're going to go, today, I declare that promise over my family. My family may have only, has never owned a home. Well, I only need to declare a scripture that my, my family will own a home. I don't know what thing you need, but you're going to have a today faith. It says today, that breakthrough. My, that might have been perpetually in my generations, alcoholism, this or that. No, today, my kids will not face the challenges that I face. And I'm going to declare. My, you might come from a family where your parents didn't serve the Lord. But you, you declare, Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I want you to pray those prayers of faith over yourself. So right now, raise your hands if you, you don't yet have the call of God or you want to shift in that, in that area in your life. God, right now, and I pray for those as well watching online that are responding right now. God, we just believe that the call of God would rise up afresh on people. God, we believe for fresh burden, fresh fire, fresh zeal to see a miracle in their circumstances. God, we just believe in faith that you didn't, put that thing on them to be frustrated. You put that thing on them because you've equipped them and called them to see a miracle in their generation, in, in, their, in their world, in their sphere, to see God, you do what only you can do. And God, right now, I pray for those that have, have let go of the call, that have rejected it, that have hid and run from it. God, we just believe that today would be a line in the sand where we go, we're going back. We're chasing you, Jesus, that people... God, I pray for the, the strategy for people to decide today will be a day of fasting. Today will be a week of fasting where I come into contact with my Father in heaven to get the downloads I need to be effective in this season of ministry in Jesus' name. So we're going to sing. And as we sing, I want you to, to bring to mind those scripture verses that you need to know. Say, God, move in this circumstance. Move in this situation that we see God move powerfully.